Welcome back to another episode of In Conversation with myself, Carl Kendrick. In this episode, we will be chatting to John Charles, aka the YouTube FIFA content creator, JCC. We had a great chat about his content creation journey, about what he feels about EA's uh, loot boxes and ultimate team mechanics, and also his support of Fulham. And you can also now support the podcast. You can buy me a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in convo with Carl. And you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just look up in convo with Carl. I hope you enjoy this. Thank you again. Welcome to another episode of In Conversations with myself, Carl Kendrick, where we talk to different people from different backgrounds and from all walks of life. Joining me on this episode, I'm glad to say, is a content creator known for his FIFA, his pro clubs and his stance against the EA. It is John Charles, aka JCC. Welcome, John. Well, thank you. It's a nice welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I've got so much I want to talk to you about. Perfect. Fire away. I'm ready for it. <laughs> let's let's start at the beginning. Content creating and YouTube videos. When did when did that start, and, and why did it why did it start? I started as a kid watching all of the big YouTubers nowadays, and I just used to upload. But like more of a habit, obviously, back in the day when you're 12, 13, FIFA 13, FIFA 12, just uploading from there. Call of Duty back in the day. And then I went away from it as I got into my sort of like mid to late teens, like 16, 17, got distracted by other things, football, girls, just living, just not bothering. Yeah, I always wanted to be a YouTuber. Then I was like, oh, just whatever, get on with other stuff. And then I fell back into it later on about when I was, I guess, 19. And then started to upload more regularly, saw a little bit of growth and pursued it. And yeah, now I'm here today, a few years after that. So yeah, it's it's now my life so yeah that's it <laughs> when did you realize that yes this is something that i can you know do pretty much full-time when did that sort of realization happen i guess like around the 20 30 000 subscriber mark i realized that i was onto something but i knew there was a long way to go and of course subscribers don't necessarily if you're talking from a career point of view transition to, to revenue it's it's more about the views you're getting but I kind of thought at that point okay look I'm, I really enjoy this and it's something that I really am passionate about and it's fun like I to this day I still enjoy streaming and making videos now for a living so I guess from that point I, I had a focus on just carry on doing what you're doing and try to become a better version of yourself on content creation and uh, yeah then it's it sort of just it, i guess I, I officially started to be like full-time i guess like ninety thousand subscribers i was like okay i don't like need to do other jobs and stuff so i'll try and just fully focus on this and uh, yeah so that's been about a year and a half two years now just just working on youtube grinding my way up so yeah i mean a lot of people don't realize the work that goes into being a full-time content creator they just see your videos and think all mm-hmm. oh, you do is recording a quick video or, or whatever, uploading yeah. it and just sitting back and enjoying the revenue. But in yeah. fact, what is the process? You just go for like a, a standard sort of video. What's the process involved in from recording to, to uploading? It's, it's one of the hardest things to do, I think. I've done a lot of little jobs along the way and it's a very, very privileged job. Like it's, a, it's nice to be able to work from home, 
but people don't realize with content creation, I think it applies to lots of fields of content, not just gaming. It's, it's constant. You don't come home at five and sort of switch off or you don't like, you don't necessarily have the comfort of knowing, okay, well, I, I can slack a little bit tomorrow on my job. Like every day with content creation, you have to try to be doing better because, um, otherwise if you're not growing and, and you're not improving, there's a lot of anxiety that goes with that of, well, I've been doing this and this only for this many years. The typical process of, of making a video isn't just recording a video and uploading it. It's you record a video, but then you have to come up with the ideas of the video and you have to come up with the thumbnail and the graphics and think about how you're going to promote it and come up with a storyline for the video to keep people engaged and a title, a seven, eight word title is the difference between a hundred thousand clicks or 10,000 or 5,000 clicks. It really is that important. The actual content inside the video is a whole stress, but then you take a step back and, and trying to get people to click on that content is a whole different game. And I really think that some of the best and biggest YouTubers on the platform are just the, the best entrepreneurs and they, they have a lot of big teams around them now. So when you're sort of my level of creator, I have a fantastic graphics designer that I work with, but apart from that, it's kind of just me and I got to sort of carry that and think, okay, how am I going to provide food for myself this week, you know, in a way. So yeah, it's, it's a lot more that goes into it. Being a content creator is pretty much a brand is what mm. you're saying. And yes. then, yeah. So in terms of FIFA, obviously your biggest output is pro clubs. Mm. Do you think this is why you get such a sort of large following? Is it because there's not that many sort of dedicated pro club content creators? A lot of it's like ultimate team and other stuff where kind of pro clubs, there seems to be probably a handful of, of content creators. Do you think that's why your channel draws in so, so many views and so many, so many subscribers? Yeah, I think it's definitely part of the reason, like it is a niche and it's something that I never thought, I mean, I did in the back of my mind think, because that's always the goal. You want to be as ambitious as possible. When I started uploading pro clubs videos, you know, to sit here and be closing in on hopefully 200,000 subscribers from pretty much solely pro clubs. I mean, I've never done any other game modes on FIFA is it's pretty wild. And the support that I get from the community is everything. It's, it's crazy that we've built this community. And if you know anything about FIFA, which I'm sure some of the listeners right now do, there is a very much a pro club sort of against ultimate team vibe, which I try not to push in my videos too much, but I think people are drawn to the channel because they love this game mode. They see that me and the guys who record videos on that game mode are passionate about it and share a lot of the same experiences that they do, you know, on if it, whether it's a competitive VFL or VPG game, or whether it's a silly mess around clip with your friends and someone's always the worst player and everyone's having a go, it's relatable. So yeah, I think that obviously pro clubs isn't FIFA's biggest game mode, but there's a big cult following there. And I, I've always said, I, I'd like love other people to make content on pro clubs because the more of us, the better, the more I grow, the more they grow. It's, it's very much it's very much an untapped sort of market and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing other creators make videos in it as well. And hopefully in a few years, it becomes a lot more of a, a bigger space that people can come in and become a part of. So yeah, for those who don't know FIFA or don't know pro clubs, what is pro clubs in a nutshell? Yeah, simply it's just football simulation game where you control one player. So I'll control a striker. I might be playing with you and someone else. They'll control another striker and the other player might control a defender at the back. And then the other players are computers around you. But uh, it gives a bit of a more realistic feel to 
football simulation because you're you're kind of like well I mean how I started playing pro clubs is a better example because I was just playing like Sunday league with my friends at like 13 14 and then we'd come home and we play effectively Sunday league but on FIFA because we'd go in the same positions and mess around on FIFA that we all played and it, it that's kind of how it went and then you play up against other people online and sort of the best teams win and then that's how that's that's I guess that's a brief summary of it. What I love about your content is that it is primarily pro clubs, but when I watch your videos, I don't think I've seen much content where I'm generally laughing out loud at, at the way the videos have been edited. Thank you. And I appreciate the time which goes into editing those videos to, to get into, into segments, into clips. And I think that's probably, again, one of the draws why cause it's not just someone playing the game for 15 minutes. It's the, yes, yeah. it's the, it's the humour. It's the other personalities and characters. It's not just you, it's you've got the whole team. Mm-hmm. And they've all got their own personalities which shine in different parts of different videos. And yeah. I think that's probably what brings people back. But going back to pro clubs, obviously it's 11 v 11, potentially, especially on the higher divisions of VFL and VPG and, and some of the other competitive pro, pro leagues. Yeah. Do you think, do you think EA are missing out on the untapped potential of pro clubs as a professional e-sport yeah, yes i do i think because if you if you know about ea sports and fifa they they predominantly have microtransactions in ultimate team and it's incredibly lucrative like we're talking billions a year from just this game mode so not the game sales just the game mode itself and the in-game microtransactions and i think because I think it's kind of like if something's not broken, don't fix it, right? So they don't want to change it at the board level. They're not going to go, okay, we're thinking of introducing microtransactions in Volta career mode. And I've always said it, it is odd to me because I'm a realist and I would like the game to be a set cost and you pay it and that's it. But I know how EA Sports works. So we've got to be realistic. For pro clubs to get development, it would need microtransactions from EA. I don't want it to, but that's just how they would work. They'd have to have like season passes like Fortnite has, maybe four pounds for every like two months and you get all these unlockable things. But pro clubs, it's a difficult one because when you talk about it being an eSport, it definitely has the potential. For me, it's still the most entertaining like on FIFA to watch is 11 versus 11 pro clubs at the highest level. I've recently, the last year, I've taken a step back from the 11 versus 11 because FIFA 20, the way the game was designed, it just killed my enjoyment of 11 versus 11 because it was effectively, they just ruined the fun for it for me. It became very boring. All the games were nil, nil, one, nil. I'm an attacker. I just sort of didn't enjoy making the content. And that's sort of how I've always led my channel. If I'm not enjoying something, a lot of, like you kindly said, we have a lot of characters and it's a friendship and a lot of it bounces off of each other. And if that enjoyment's not there, I'm not going to fabricate it. So we sort of step away. And now what we do more so is just relax, lower league, like easier games, but we're having more of a laugh and creating more funny content, I hope, that people can relate to. But yeah, they definitely miss a trick. It's difficult with 11 versus 11 because of the logistics of flying, say, 11 teams of 11 to a tournament, putting them in a hotel. It's a lot of people. But they definitely say, should explore things. Sorry, you say, you, sorry, I think you're right when you're saying that microtransactions. Because I believe, and you probably feel the same, that Ultimate Team is their main cash out. That's mm. where they get after sale, after the main sale of the game, they're making majority of their money, all, all their money from Ultimate Team. So that is always going to be their focus because that'll be the stuff that gets all the bells and whistles. I know you've done videos on it, especially Ultimate Team. Mm. The element 
and I think many people agree with what you said and what other people said that the element of gambling when it comes to comes to the ultimate team. What's your views on ultimate team in sort of in a nutshell or in, or in general? Yeah, so obviously Ultimate Team and FIFA are a three-plus game, or I think maybe it's just a whatever they call it now, anyone can play it. And I've done a, a number of research into this, that the game revolves around, like we said, microtransactions, which are effectively a, a roulette simulation, a, a spinner wheel, and it lands on Cristiano Ronaldo or it lands on a player you've never heard on, heard of Sorry, in the Turkish League, second division. So the chances, obviously, of getting the better players are way lower than getting the, the easier players. And there's been a lot of people who've done videos, like, like if I can plug, Visa did a, vis a video around the chances of getting a team of the year, which is the top-level players. And I think he put it down to, he watched, uh, like, 20 streamers spend, like, £10,000, for example, and one there was one blue player in it. And so you're looking at spending £10,000 to get one of these players, like one of the best players. And the game's revolving around that. So just to give people a brief outline of how it works, it's it's gambling to me, effectively. It's it's gambling but with... EA, but EA say, yeah, but we tell the players what they'll get. In. So right. they, say, they say we're clear that every pack, we'll tell them exactly what they expect to get in that pack. But obviously that's not, that's not good enough, is it? Because no. like you said, when they get a gold pack or whatever the top packs is, and it says it will contain one player 84 plus or 86 plus. Nobody mm. wants a random player from the Japanese league. They want Ronaldo, yeah. they want Messi, you know, they want Salah, they don't want... And yeah. they'll just keep opening pack after pack after pack yeah. trying to get trying to get this, this one and, player. And there's no, there's no restrictions. There's nothing that pe keeps people safe. EA have obviously been in Parliament having to defend themselves in the last year. COVID has put a big slowdown on this. But as a community, there's been a big push to to the House of Lords, which have approved this and said that, in their opinion, loot boxes, which is effectively what EA Sports are in Ultimate Team, have to be added to the Gambling Act in the UK. So they can't continue to operate how they're doing without having gamble aware notices or 18 plus logos on this game mode. And it's a problem. And like you touched on a little bit with my content, I've made uh, maybe a dozen videos now on this. And the, some of the support I see and some of the DMs I've got and the messages, I mean, this goes deep. This is this is pushing gambling to people in their bedrooms and effectively how I've described it in the past, or maybe I stole this from someone I'd have no idea. I'm sorry if I have, but it's like putting a roulette machine or a, it's like putting a, like a, some, like a roulette machine, for example, or the, whatever those things are in pubs. I, I've completely slot blanked machine. my mind. Slot yeah, slot machine, slot machine, like a slot machine in a child's bedroom. Do you think, just do you think as fun. well a reason why it can get so bad is because mm. a lot of these a lot of these consoles are owned by children and payment right. details belong to to parents normally because mm. they don't because like if me and you go to a shop and we buy something and make a physical transaction with a card or with cash with this case they literally go onto a menu they select FIFA points that's how they that's how they get the so that's what that's what the, the transaction they buy FIFA points with real money yes. Mm -hmm. So they go onto a FIFA point menu and literally just click a couple of buttons, not many print the controls, and they've now got, you know, 19,000 FIFA points or, or whatever. Because it's not a physical transaction, is there a risk that people aren't linking it to real money? It's, it's, really, yeah. it's, really, easy, it's really easy, the process to, to add points to, to your account. Definitely. I mean, it's all part of the strategy, isn't it? It, it? it makes it a lot less real. It makes it fun. It's FIFA points. FIFA points. It's not... You're not seeing when you when you load up Ultimate Team in the top left, you'll see like you might have 20,000 FIFA points. It doesn't say, you know, 400 pounds, 422 pounds. It doesn't say that. 
And so that's a big psychological, you know, I've spoke through my research in videos to psychologists and, and people through researching topics and this, and, and they've touched on that. They've touched on even the, the marketing from EA sports, the colors of the, of the packs and how brightly colored they are to, which, you know, to target children and younger audiences, to get them hooked into it, to get them spending their parents' credit card. It's all very shady stuff that, you know, this is a billion, this is a billion dollar company and EA Sports FIFA Ultimate Team is their main earner. So they know what they're doing. They, they, they'll protect it as well, Carl. They'll keep protecting it. But I think we're on the right path now, you know, in the UK. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen France have lawsuits against them. Canada has been Belgium banned. In the Nether Belgium and the Netherlands have banned FIFA points completely. So, so. Uh, is Ultimate Team still going in, in Netherlands and, and Belgium? You can play Ultimate Team, uh, but you cannot buy... FIFA points. Officially, it is not legal for EA Sports to sell FIFA points in Belgium so, or the Netherlands. In those countries, the only way you can make points is just through the game modes. There's no external cash. As, yeah, as far as I know. As far as I know. I mean, as I said, there's pro players who come from those countries who do find ways around it. By but it is it is now outlawed, and I think for countries to be banning it, I mean, it says all you need. It, it says all you need to hear, really. I mean, there's other games out there, say Fortnite, which is free to play, but it's still mm. made. <clears throat> millions and billions of pounds through microtransactions stuff yeah it's well, like i want this i want this yeah. t-shirt i'll go there and buy it like it's that yeah. it's simple that's whereas on now, fifa you don't know what you're getting would you would you would you mind if they brought in the pro clubs so say you can have a custom stadium or custom boots or mm. or just some level of customization for a micro transaction and there'd be a lot of people who play pro clubs that would do those micro transactions and do you think mm. in that case would it change the race stance on pro clubs or don't think it makes absolutely no difference because ultimate team is still the one making, making yeah money. i mean i've had contact with va my relationship with va is not ideal i'll be honest but i have contact with a few people there game developers who come to me with you know what are the bugs on pro clubs at the start of the year and the community manager still follows me on twitter and i've spoke to him in the past so there's people at ea sports that obviously want the consumers to have a good game but it goes to the top and like anything it starts right at the top the top are seeing the money they're seeing how much money they've made from these ultimate team packs they know it's wrong but they're they're going to try and get away with it for as long as they can and so it's important for me to to sort of say that before i get into saying how i'd want microtransactional broker i would prefer microtransactions to not exist and the difference between fortnite is i can download fortnite right now for free and don't have to spend a penny on it. But maybe if I want a different colored t-shirt or a different colored gun, I can buy that through actual money. I can spend three pounds on it or whatever. With VA Sports FIFA, like we've touched on, it's, it's just a complete loot crate. You don't know what you're ever gonna get. And the only way to compete on EA Sports FIFA is to, is to spend money. The best players in the world have all spent thousands and thousands and thousands to get to be the best players because that's that's just the more packs you spend the more money you're going to get because everything in there becomes valuable and you can sell it on the market or you're going to get lucky once and pack something but i would love to see pro clubs adopt a Fortnite mode where because i'm pretty sure on Fortnite specifically you can get the battle passes through playing the game i think if you put enough effort in you actually unlock the points anyway i mean it, you can just spend six quid on it or something or five quid and you get it for like three months two months whatever but there's actually also a way to grind it so that's brilliant as well and i think uh, a friend of mine did a great study in a, re a video recently nelly his name's nelly's got bored 
and he worked out that the average FIFA consumer spends $52, not including the cost of the game, $52 across all of their consumers, like 25 million players, it's $52 on average. I mean, I haven't spent a thing on the Ultimate Team, but on average, it's $52. On average, top, on, four, on top on top of on the, top of buying the, cost, the game, yeah. yeah. So if they if you break it down and work out all the consumers, each one average me, you, and everyone who's bought, it's $52 per head. And I think for Fortnite, it was something like three to seven dollars per head or something like that. And it that's the difference. It speaks for itself, but EA Sports won't change. They're never gonna put investment into pro clubs until you know, we might get lucky as pro clubs fans and see, okay, all my teams getting legislated and getting banned and getting all these things put on it. They might be forced to explore other revenue streams and the game modes in there right now. Career mode is quite difficult to microtransaction because it's, it speaks, man, it's the oldest FIFA. It's what I got into FIFA to play. I, I mean, like in 2004, I remember being like, a child with it and loving like using Man United and Chelsea and Fulham and using all these clubs and you can't really in my head microtransaction an offline game mode that easily mm -hmm. but an online game mode like pro clubs where you're basing yourself off of you know to be a real footballer it's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to do it so I would hope that if they did bring it in it would lead to pro clubs being a, a lot better of a game mode for all of us to to enjoy a lot more to play there's yeah. something that I got a few questions. Do you think they could bring in a sort of two K style my park on pro clubs? Definitely, definitely. So with pro clubs and where games are changing now, do you think there could be a possibility at some point we don't get annual FIFA titles, just one FIFA title, and it's just updated continuously? And two, yeah. do you think they could have a standalone pro clubs mode, which is just free to download? And mm. or do you think it could be a good idea to have just a standalone pro club mode, which is free to play, with possible microtransactions in it? Do you think that would work or or, or not? I think a standalone pro club mode it would be difficult because I don't know if the consumer base is big enough for them to justify doing it. I think it, if you're talking about a total remodel because Ultimate Team becomes less lucrative because of restrictions, then yes, definitely. It would. I'd love to see you know FIFA. I just download FIFA. I'd love to see it on crossplay. I mean, I bought a massive gaming PC that I play every other game on and I only need to buy the PlayStation 5 for FIFA because I have a computer here that's double the power of an Xbox um, One or an Xbox X and it's 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 just like I think again that's all money related they know if they keep it on separate platforms a lot of people have to buy two and also then you've got people the different transfer markets and all this development team to answer your first part of that question, I'd love to see an NBA style my park. I mean, I think that's kind of what Volta, when it was leaking out Volta of April of last year, I think we kind of all thought, oh, wow, maybe this is, oh, this is going to come into pro clubs. So you've got more customization, you've got street football, you've got, and they put it in its own game mode and it, it's, you know, it's okay, but it's so linear. And before that we had the journey and all that was a waste of time as well. They could have focused that on pro clubs because ultimately people want to have that, Football simulation, people want to imagine they're a footballer. That's why, like, not all the, it's not always why we play pro clubs, but that's what people like about it a lot of the time, you know, making their pro look like themselves or whatever. And they never, they've never capitalized on that ever. They've never done anything. Pro clubs in particular, and something I've always wondered, and someone asked, someone pointed at me on Twitter yesterday mm. Pro Evolution Soccer or, or PES or eFootball or whatever it's, it's currently called, their customization general game is is top notch you can customize mm. absolutely everything do you think if there's an 11v11 mode on on eFootball or pairs do you think 
there would be a community which would quietly leave FIFA and and move across. I think so. I think so. I think if you if you look at Pez though, doesn't the pro clubs equivalent you have to control the real footballers if I'm right or something like that. there's something dif- different about it. It's not the same. You can't make your pro and then play with your friends against other people. I've, I'm not sure. But if they had the option to create your own avatar, yeah. your own pro, and it was yeah, 11 v 11, do you think people would would move would leave FIFA or do you think you'd be split or? I think I think FIFA's going to have a monopoly still, but but in, unless you know, there's always an if. Pez could produce the best football simulation game, and, and pro clubs could be amazing. I mean, the reason I play pro clubs isn't because FIFA's a great game. I play pro clubs because I have a lot of mates on pro clubs that we enjoy almost just like hanging out. It's like two hours of hanging out, and especially during these times where we can't physically meet up, it's you know for us it's just like a bit of a social exercise. And we get to play clubs. I mean, us like we don't. The majority of our group now doesn't play Ultimate Team, doesn't play Career Mode, doesn't play. You know, we literally just buy this game for clubs. You're, so you're, I think you're rightly really saying is that it's like a Sunday League football team, isn't it? Yeah, that, it you is. Get, yeah. You get the same banter, the same humor, the same same, same personality. But it, but it also backs your point. There's no there's no allegiance to FIFA. If Pez produced a better game and they did the same thing and we could do that, yeah, no no doubt we'd all buy Pez as well and give it a go. Microtransactions aside, in terms of pro clubs, mm. if you could write down a, a five-point list of what would make pro clubs better tomorrow, mm. what, what kind of stuff would you would you be saying? Yeah, I've done I've done videos on this before. I mean, I remember doing like a 50 wish list for pro clubs, 50 wishes. And then like number 47 was customizable CPUs, and EA Sports did that. And I was like, there was like 46 other things to lead with. So I've had a lot of ideas on it. But I mean, straight off the mark, you've got cross-play. You've got to have cross-play on games in 2021. It's ridiculous. If Call of Duty can do cross-platform mm. on a game that intense, and we're just talking about a football field, you know, yeah. would, set, would set boundaries. It, it can't be that yeah. difficult. There's pretty much no other game that isn't. And, you know, for me, I'd have that. I'd have obviously all the basic gameplay fixes. You want the game to be as fun as possible, but we're talking about new features to be added. So I'd lead with crossplay, uh, a rejoin feature. So if somebody's connection drops, they can jump back in because that is such a pain. I'd like to see a revisited leaderboard system. So you actually have rankings because at the moment, the rankings that you get, you know, the best player in the world isn't the best player in the world. It, it doesn't really work like that. I'd like to see a weekend league, which is a big mode in FIFA Ultimate Team brought in. And I'd like to see that broken down into you can enter the weekend league as a three three man team against other three mans. You can enter as a five man or you can enter as like an 11 man. So you've got like three different sort of brackets to enter with. And, and how that would that So you have to qualify. You'd qualify through winning a few games in the midweek and then you'd enter a tournament where effectively you play against 30 different other teams. Or, or 20 maybe because 30 is a lot of games still I think for a weekend so like 20 games and if you win 20 out of 20 you're in a top bracket and you advance to the next weekend where you might be in a harder bracket and then that would actually formulate a decent leaderboard system and, and I just think exploring you know giving us more content because at the moment we've had the same 10 leagues which is division 10 to division one and I mean the cups are a bit of a mess this year but the cups have effectively been the same there's nothing new since I started there's nothing new since I started. So, yeah, probably those four or five things that I've touched on there would be my my main things to see that I think are very achievable for EA Sports. On top of that, having a community manager or somebody dedicated to actually fixing pro clubs and communicating properly about pro clubs would be great.
because I see EA Sports hired somebody recently. I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I didn't know the guy and I've not seen any tweets about pro clubs fixing things. And to be fair, pro clubs has a few silly bugs this year, but it's, it's definitely seen worse years. Um, so there's not that much to do, but it, you know, we don't really feel like any of our voices are ever heard and we don't feel like any of our feedbacks ever taken on board by EA sports. So it would be nice to have that on top of everything I've said as a consumer to have in the game. Yeah. So yeah. do you feel you have, a kind of responsibility as the unofficial spokesperson for pro clubs on FIFA. Do you, do you have? Do you feel? No. Do you feel you have that role? No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the sort of the spokesperson, as you say. I don't see it as that. I, I feel like I can just do all I can do is just say my opinions, and they are my opinions. And if people agree with them, that's great. If they don't, then don't have to agree with them. But just know that the bigger the channel gets, the louder the voice gets, and I will keep plugging. You know, if 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 2022 FIFA 2022 doesn't have any pro clubs updates you'll be seeing videos from me riling up the community getting them angry because that's how I feel Carl I'm not doing it for attention I mean obviously my job revolves around getting views so I can't sit here and say like you don't make videos to get views but ultimately I'm just a pro clubs player and just like you if you turned on pro clubs you bought it for 60 or 80 pounds early and you'd seen the same loading screens with a different color and the same game modes and the same divisions and the same boots and the same everything the same traits you're gonna be annoyed and that's just where i that's just where my motivation comes for those videos so i don't see myself as a spokesman at all because i haven't been elected you know what i mean but it's it's i'll do my best to just to say my piece on it that's all i can do Excellent. yeah and now for those who are listening who might be struggling to play to play pro clubs they're struggling to find their their, their part a team what sort of tips do you have out there for other for pro clubs to be successful as as a team? Is there any, anything you can offer to, to other teams? Yeah, I mean, it depends what level you're at, of course. If you have a team, if you don't have a team, I would always try and avoid drop-ins because a lot of people say, oh, I've been playing drop-ins and I'm trying to get better. But that's a different game entirely because everyone's playing for themselves usually. How I, I would always recommend people, and I still do it to this day, is VFL and VPG in the UK are the two biggest leagues that sort of dominate and they're competitive leagues. They're websites online. They have huge communities of people and they're not just for playing 11 versus 11 clubs. But if you are new to the game, you can join a lower league very easily and find players around your level. But also, I mean, you can find, I think they have forums. I mean, VFL haven't played it for a while now, but they used to have forums where you can play. I'm looking for a team to just get on in Division 8. Um, they have Discord servers and all this. And, you know, that's how I meet the majority of players I play with. Billy, Harry... Both of them I met through VFL and people through VFL. And, that, and now, like, we're just mates who play the game. And simply, like, that's that's the best advice I could give. If you don't have good players to play with, you're never going to improve. And the only way to find good players is to probably go to where all the good players are. <laughs> and then, you know, you might be bad, but you're going to join a team in a really low division and you're going to be good in it. And then you might find yourself on the bench for a better team next season. And it, that's kind of how I did it. So, yeah. Excellent. We've already touched on 200,000 subscribers is the next sort of uh, next goal. But yeah. now what's the what's the sort of short, medium, long-term goals now? Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to see how far I can take the Pro Club stuff. I, I'm passionate about creating content and in gaming. I'll always have the Pro Clubs channel. And I, I think as well, I sit here today, I think that I'm going to keep that channel directly just Pro Clubs. I'm not going to sort of put different content on there. I've recently transitioned to Twitch and that's been going amazing from our live streams. And I think 
the aim would maybe be to play other games on Twitch. And like we did the other week, we played some Warzone recently, this a couple of days ago and pulled a how, lot of viewers. And how are, you, so, how are you finding the jump from being solely editing videos, uploading videos to, to live stream? Are you enjoying that instant interaction? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been live streaming on YouTube for a while and it's always been great. But I transitioning to Twitch, it's a better platform for streaming at the moment, I think. And I, I love it. I love both, to be honest. So at the moment, it's like a video Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the channel, the YouTube channel. And then we'll stream probably Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, like four nights a week as well. But in terms of the long-term goals is to take the pro clubs channel as far as i can take it keep trying to give the pro clubs community a voice i'm not speaking as the voice of pro clubs but i'm trying to give us a voice because you know i if there's a glitch i can make a lot of noise if i have 200 300 400 500 000 people following it's quite it's easier to get heard so grow the pro club stuff keep streaming pro clubs stream some other games and maybe launch a second channel this year where we sort of our group plays other games and there's a similar dynamic and see if see if people are interested in that so those are sort of my goals my goals at the moment yeah so you say you're doing the videos and you're streaming do you have a day have a day off is there ever yeah it's it's intense at the moment but i do feel a certain amount of responsibility during lockdown to pump out consistent content because my dms my messages my comments my live stream comments there's always people saying how important that content is to them and that's something that i find difficult i mean when i've done emotional videos of people who have been suicidal over gambling spending on ultimate team sometimes my like instagram dms are in the hundreds for the weeks after that and of paragraphs you know emails stretching take you 10 minutes to read and I can't get back to everybody. And so that's a real pressure I put on myself to try and read them all and try and get back to people on those issues. And at the moment, content's so important online for people. So I do feel a bit of responsibility to just get a, as much out as I can because I enjoy doing it and I haven't got anything to do. I mean, I can't go out anyway. So, you know, I try, I try to do that. But days off, once one day off a week, I guess, really. I mean, today I haven't done anything but tomorrow I'll be streaming and planning Monday's video and then Monday upload with a stream probably on Monday, Tuesday will probably be a stream. So yeah, it's kind of... What is, so what's your working hours, would you say? We're you, you solely concentrating on, on videos or, or streams? Yeah, so like a typical day for me, let's go through like a Monday, I'll get up probably around 9, 9.30 because content creator YouTubers do not get up when early, ever. Can't do it. So I'll be about nine o'clock, have some breakfast, half nine, probably edit that video at the moment. So that will take me from about nine till four, like the whole day of just sitting at the computer, get up to go get some food occasionally and a coffee, get that video up around 5 p.m. And integrated in that is a meeting with like my graphics designer on Discord to discuss, okay, what thumbnail and title should we work with that will pull in as many people as possible for this video? And then that video gets done, the title, the thumbnail gets pushed out, promote it on social medias. Uh, and then probably five to six to seven, I'll do like a little workout or take a little break and try and do something like a run. And then from about, provided there's no big Premier League games on, because otherwise we stream after them. So we don't, you know, lock, like we're not going to, we're not going to get more viewers than Man United, Man City. So we wait until after, but nine o'clock at night, then I'll start a stream from about nine until half 11, maybe 12 some nights if it's a late one and then come off at 12 and sort of try and get some, try and relax a bit, but end up going to sleep about one in the morning. that sort of time. Yeah. That's a, that's a typical, that's a typical day. In the, it's, a bit, in it's, our, a bit, it's a bit full on then. So let's step yeah. away from pro clubs and content creating 
last sure. this, this episode. Um, yeah. So Fulham fan. Oh God. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously it's well known you're a Fulham fan. Ever get in contact with the club? Do they ever have they got in touch at all? No, I've never had any contact from the, contact from the club. I've done some. I've had some contact through Talksport, and I've had some like great treatment from the guys at Talksport. Uh, they've taken me to Fulham games back when the world was a little bit more normal. Been in the press rooms, and uh, you know, I, my one of my best moments as a Fulham fan was watching us beat Huddersfield in the Prem two or three years ago. And Talksport took me there, and I sat with Ray Parler doing the commentary. Like Ray Parler was doing the commentary right next to me, just me and him, and it was the radio commentary so it would cut to ray and he'd like do his bit and then he put the mic down i've never met a nicer bloke like he just put the mic down and then it was just like me and him were mates for 20 years and we were just at the football and he's like oh what's that player do-? And i'm just watching him break down football and like obviously the insight of like a fantastic footballer just sat there so what's that it, was amazing what's it like yeah. being sat in the press box when you've got like i don't know a, a load of people all commentating on the same game is it like white noise or is it quite it's quite no yeah it's quite everyone's quite lasered in and you don't really hear too many people's because obviously they've got the mics like pressed in and everyone tries to be quiet to not be too loud about around each other but one thing i found is like it's very tight in the little johnny haynes stand at fulham and like the seats are all blocked in and you can't just so i was like in and then you've got like sky talk sport and bt all these all these boxes and you can't just get up to go for like a wee or get a drink so i was sat there like almost panicking like god if i knew what if I just needed, I've got, I have to be like, excuse me, Ray, sorry, Ian Abraham, sorry, can you get up, Jet? Oh, sorry, like, just past all these guys, they're going to be like, who is this idiot? Like, this, like, 20-year-old idiot that's just sat here. But, yeah, it was really cool, and, like, being in the little box behind the game, where, like, uh, Cammy was there, Chris Kamara, and, yeah, it was, it was a wicked experience. So, I'm hoping to get something like that again, but, yeah, no, not, not, I've never spoke to Fulham about any business-related or brand deals or anything like that. Awesome. You'll be watching the games again live or yeah yeah i mean i live 10 minutes walk from the stadium so my gym before lockdown um came in again is literally next is the building next to the stadium i just walk past the stadium like looking at it lullingly just wondering when i'll be allowed back in and sometimes they'd be playing so i'd like i wouldn't obviously i'd be walking out the gym to get home to watch them but i'd like see the buses pull up and they are now have all the fences up they put up as temps and i'd just be like it's so strange I'm not just going into the Hammersmith end and watching them right now. I just it's weird. Do you think yeah. uh, the era of possibility going back to pro clubs? You know, we've got teams like Rotherham, Port Vale, mm. Oxford. You don't think there's a possibility of having sort of top division esport pro pro clubs? Definitely. I think if you see the work the VPG have done, I mean, I've been a little bit away from it for the last six months. Uh, to a year but they I mean they've had some yeah big clubs I remember I worked with QPR and they were one of the first big clubs to get involved and I just thought how amazing that was to have pro clubs in QPR involved and now they've got so many clubs around the world involved and I do think that it's, it's definitely some potential in it but you know I know that EA Sports have not been friendly when it comes to like helping these pro clubs organizations like VPG and VFL ever do anything and this is my word i'm not speaking on behalf of the owners or anyone of vfl or vpg if anyone from ea sports wants to sue anyone you can sue me it's not them but i know that they've tried to make events they've tried to reach out to, i've heard you're not allowed to make money off it i've heard you know they're not like you you have to charge this amount you can't give out prize funds if you hold events so it's like well who's gonna travel to like london from all around the uk you know spending all their money on like train tickets down from wherever like you are to to not 
compete for money. I mean, I think people would do it because I actually think people are so passionate about clubs, but the logistics of that event don't work unless someone's going to fund it for like 15K. You, you're not getting yeah. the venue, you're not getting the, the anything. So the security or any, you know, it's not, it's just not possible. So yeah, they've not been helpful with it at all. And I think it's, it's a credit to the, how hard those organizations are still, you know, working to have those clubs involved still. And I remember one of my big breaks was going up to Fleetwood and I had to VPG get me involved with Fleetwood. I got to the stadium. They paid for me to go to the stadium. They paid for me to go around the club, gave me a load of merch, met the players, met the staff. Like, and it was amazing, like toured the training ground and all that. So that was a really cool experience for me with, and that was all through pro clubs. So it's, it's kind of wild when I think back to that. Yeah, because I've been talking to the guy who founded the Rotherham Knights mm -hmm. Pro Clubs team in esports, and they've just they've just got a grant from the National Lottery to start an esports academy at Rotherham oh, United. And cool. I, I think you think the money in the Premier League, and especially mm. the E Premier League, whatever EA calling that yeah. tournament, the clubs already know about FIFA. I mean, I'm sure that all their players play play FIFA, especially mm -hmm. the the younger, so the younger generation of the players. They probably play FIFA, and yeah. I think. We talked about right at the top of this, this interview about the untapped potential of pro clubs. I think if they brought the Premier League in or, or any top division into, oh, into pro clubs, I mean, they, it, do other, they do it, other sport, they do other games. Yeah, it takes it only takes one. I think if Manchester United tomorrow decided to sign with the VPG, every other club follows. But like you're saying about these players, I saw Kylian Mbappe's Instagram story a few months ago, I think last month was like four slides on his Instagram story with him playing pro clubs, laughing at his friend, missing a goal. That doesn't tell you if Kylian Mbappe, Mbappe is playing it, they're all playing it, you know, and I, I know a few professional footballers, they love pro clubs. I've had them in the videos. I've had them in streams. Like, of course they do that. It's a simulation of their real life. So they're going to do that. They're going to play pro clubs. And I think, yeah, it, it definitely, if EA Sports gave it more attention. I mean, have you ever seen pro clubs advertised by EA Sports? Because I've never seen it once, so. That's right, yeah. it's. Uh, it, it, I think you're right there. And on a note, before we go, do people yeah. find more information? Where they where are they going for, for your content and all your stuff? How do they find you? Oh, thank you. My ads and everything is all World of JCC. So World of JCC on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. But thank you so much for having me on, Carl. I've really no, enjoyed it's been, it. It's been really good to step in that world of, uh, of JCC. And uh, so I look, forward, I look forward to seeing you, the journey continue. I was there before 100,000, I'd like to say. And yes, you were. It's, it's good to see the content still coming out, even in this, these tough times. And mm. like you said, I, I believe that you are lightening the load for a lot of people by the content you, you upload and the streams, because I think people can relate to a lot of stuff like i said we talked about the sunday league thing and the banter i think a lot of people relate to the personalities and the community around pro clubs mm. so uh with that say so thank you for joining me john and thank you it's uh, been, a, been a pleasure to talk to you and look forward to speaking again in the future definitely thank you carl cheers thanks